So today's message is what to do while we're waiting. And the Bible readings actually tell us a little bit about Peter and Paul, their thoughts on the matter. The first Bible reading we're going to hear from Paul, and it's written in the book of Acts, chapter 17. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and also in the marketplace every day with those that happened to be there. Also some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers debated with him. Some said, what does this pretentious babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign divinities. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus. I knew I'd mark that one up. Areopagus. And asked them, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing something new. What's the next new thing that's going on? <laughs> when Paul stood in front of the Areopagus, Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely spiritual you are in every way. For when I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all peoples to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble about for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed, but others said, we will hear you again about this. At that point, Paul left them, but some of them joined him and became believers, including Dionysus, the Areochabite, 
and a woman named Demarius and others with them. The second reading, we are going to hear from Peter in 1 Peter. Now, who will harm you if you're eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. This is the big thing for me. Always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. Maintain a good conscience so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight lives were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. This is the word of the Lord. Now it's over to Pastor Christian. Have you done weightlifting? Now I have. (laughs) Now you have. Yep. Well, we're looking at, looking at uh, Acts chapter 17 and we're looking at, and I've been tipped off by that first verse, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, waiting, waiting. And, but I hadn't even realised that in Peter it says, while God was waiting. Did you, anybody pick that up from Peter? While God was waiting in the days of Noah, for that ark to be built, and he was waiting and waiting. I think it took 120 years or something. That's, that's quite a lot of waiting, isn't it? Yeah. Ruby Keller told me today that she's 101, <laughs> and I knew Ruby when she was much younger, and, of course, I was too. But, uh, yeah, 101, but it took longer to build the ark than that even, I believe. I, be- I wasn't there, so don't know. <coughs> So, Lord, I pray you would bless us in this worship today, on this Mother's Day, and this day with these two two amazing readings about uh, waiting and uh, about uh, using our time wisely in that waiting period. So, Lord, bless us, help us to hear your word gladly and to apply it to our lives, our lives and uh, to make our lives a blessing to others through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So it's Mother's Day today, and my dad didn't like waiting. 
Maybe no dads like waiting. My dad didn't like waiting, but my mum often kept him waiting. I have the most wonderful mother, but she did keep dad waiting. And I'm not criticising her. Uh, He made up for it by when he got in the car, and this is like on Sundays I remember it the best, mum would uh, keep dad waiting and then we'd get in the car and he'd put his foot down and we'd shoot off to church at Balaclava uh, where we lived at that time and when we got later lived in the southeast and he'd roar up the road to Canalpin Church um, but years later dad found a wonderful solution he moved to Adelaide because none of us boys were going to be farmers and uh, he moved to Adelaide and he bought a house very close to Unley Church and so that meant that he could take off before mum and walk down to the church and greet people as they arrived and maybe one of you were even greeted by my father at Unley Church as he stood there and uh, talked some of his nonsense to people. I had the most wonderful mother, but she kept dad waiting. But waiting's not all bad. Waiting is not a waste of time. Waiting is an opportunity. You know, I always take a book whenever I go anywhere, because I'm not so good on my phone, I take a book. And so when I'm waiting, like at the doctors, we always seem to wait, and where as you get older, you go more often. I always have a book to read or anywhere, in the car, wherever. Paul says in Ephesians 5.16, we should make the most of every opportunity for doing good. And he says, let your conversation be gracious and effective so that you will have the right answer for everyone. That's, a, that's Colossians 4. And then, of course, as we heard in Peter, he says, always be ready to have an answer, to be able to answer people when they ask you, what, what, why do you believe? Why do you follow Jesus? Always have an, uh, know what to say. But waiting doesn't just give us an opportunity to speak, it gives us an opportunity to listen. James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. What a good verse that is in that epistle of straw, as Luther called it. Bonhoeffer says, the first duty of love is to listen. Isn't that a good word? The first duty of love is to listen. And I think these are all good words for Mother's Day. Visit your mother if you can, if she's still alive, and listen to her, listen to her, and talk to her, and make the most of every opportunity you have to do good to her. Spending time with your mother is never wasted time. Spending time with anyone, in fact, is never wasted time, is it? (laughs) Yeah. I've just returned from teaching and preaching in Vietnam. After I booked, I was invited to a wedding of one of our students, of two of our students, actually, who were marrying each other. And um, so I had to rebook, and that meant, as you know, when you rebook, it cost me an extra $300 to do that. Uh, But she said, I said, I won't be giving you a very big gift. And she said, that's all right. This is in my own words. She said... I want your presence, not your presence. And even though she didn't use those words, that's what she meant. Uh, So 
to be with these people is very precious. It's not a waste of time going two days early to get to Vietnam. It's precious time to be used with meeting with people that you can't really meet with much when you're just teaching all the time. So Paul got to Athens and um, he had time on his hands. He, he did what we do when we go to Athens. Who's been to Athens? Good. Anyone? No? Are you the only one? Oh, no. oh, there's one. That's good. Great city, isn't it? Great city. I was there about five years ago, and, and uh, I did what Paul did in Athens. He looked around. He looked around, and, uh, and he was waiting. He was waiting for his mates to come from up north because of... Um, Paul had to be rushed out of Berea because the, the persecutors were following him wherever he went. And so he went down to Athens. Nobody knew him in Athens. And um, so he just had time to look around. And he got really worked up while he was looking around in Athens, while he was waiting. Now, I didn't get worked up in Athens. I didn't see any idols there or anything. But when my wife and I walked around the hotel and we were very careful to just make sure we just turned left all the time so we got back to where we started, we, uh, something amazing happened on this evening. We could hear singing and we went um, and we tra- tracked down where it was and we went into this place um, and... Uh, Somehow we found our way up the stairs. I don't know if anyone asked us to or whether we just followed where the sound was. And it was, it was singing. It was Christians gathered together uh, to sing. And they were all Syrians. Because remember, that was when all the refugees were escaping out of the war in Syria. And, and all these refugees were flooding through Greece. And here they were, and so many of them were, were becoming Christians in Greece. And here they were gathered together, worshipping. And we walked in on that. You find a lot of things when you go walking. And when you look around and you listen to what's going on. So Paul's looking around and he sees mainly idols and he gets very stirred up in his, in his very being. He gets very stirred up. And, uh, and so we've got options. You see, we're often waiting, aren't we? How many of you catch buses? Well, quite a lot of you. Okay, you haven't been to Athens, but you catch buses. So you, you, you catch buses and often you're waiting unless you really leave it to the last minute. And, and what do you do there? You probably don't read a book while you're waiting, but you can look around. You can look around and you can see the other people. And you can see what they're looking like and you can start to figure out how they're feeling and you can start to en- engage them in a conversation. You can if you want to. Or you can look at the graffiti, wherever, wherever it is. One day when I was still living in Auckland, and uh, no, Perth I think it was, and I'm walking around on one of my walking trails and I, it was just before an election in Perth and it was a, somebody uh, graffitied on a wall, vote nobody because nobody cares. Now I think that's one of the best graffitis I've ever seen. Vote nobody because nobody cares. And here like 30 years later I still remember that so clearly. It's a real lesson from that that graffiti artist taught me through that and I've used it in many sermons in Perth and all over the place. 
So, and what's the advertising saying around the place? What if people are trying to sell you and convince you that you can't live without? Or what's the architecture in the area you're in telling you about the, the socioeconomic area that you're in? Or what are the faces people... What are you reading in people's faces when you look at them about their hopes and their dreams or their lack of them? So it all starts with looking, with looking. And Paul looked around and his spirit was totally provoked within him when he saw the city was filled with idols. Now some people joke that there were more idols in, um, in Athens than there were people living there and that could be correct because Athens was not a big city in that time it was only uh, somewhere between 20 and 50,000 it wasn't big the big cities were Corinth and Thessalonica we always think Athens was the big city but that's the city where the philosophers were and some amazing buildings and Paul was ready to explode but how did he express his anger He was determined to do something about what he saw. Like Jesus was. You know, when Jesus went into the temple, he he went into the temple and he saw all this trading and selling and buying going on there. And Jesus got fairly worked up, don't you think? He got pretty worked up. And he certainly did something about it that I wouldn't be bold to do if I went into a temple or a church, for that matter. He started tipping things over and and casting these uh, robbers out of this den of robbers, as he called it. So Paul acted on the idolatry he was seeing by engaging in discussions with, uh, and debates uh, to call people from the idols that they were following to come and meet the true God. Paul called them from their false hopes and their false dreams and pointed them to Jesus Christ, who is the only hope uh, for this life and for the life to come. And we read too, when Jesus saw the crowds, when we read about Jesus, he normally always starts with, he saw, he saw, you see, he saw. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he saw them and he felt compassion. What did he do next, by the way? He taught them. Yeah, I thought you'd say he fed them because that came a bit later. But he taught them and then he fed them. Yeah, amazing. And that's how the people were in Athens. They were, there were thousands of gods around and they were still searching for more gods. They still hadn't found the meaning of life. And they were still trying to find something to fill the gap that was in their heart and they couldn't find it. Is it any different today? For people in your street, are they satisfied? You might say, well, I don't know. I've never asked them. But you can watch. You can watch them. Are you satisfied in your life? When we look around, there are many false gods, false hopes, 
false promises that should stir us to some action, either for ourselves or for other people. People are living without hope. Are there mothers today who are not loved? They won't even have anyone come to visit them. No family will visit them. What do we do about that? How do we include those people? It's a good start to see the wrongs of society, but it's even better either to get angry to do something about it or get get compassionate to do something about it. But the lead of Jesus and of Paul is to say and do something about it. We can't wait for the government. We've just had a budget. Are we all satisfied? No, we're not going down that lane. But, yeah. We often say, look, we'll, we'll wait for the government to do it. Or we say, and you're in this situation as my parish is in Mount Barker, we'll wait for the next pastor. And you know, that's the worst advice you can ever get. It's not his church, it's your church, isn't it? It's Jesus' church. Ask Jesus and get on and do with whatever he asks you to do, pastor or no pastor. He's given you gifts. He's not only eyes to see, but he's given you gifts to do what needs to be done in his name. And and we can do it now. We don't have to wait for it because often when we wait, the opportunity's passed and never passes again. When I got to my first, I shouldn't be rambling on about things that aren't in my text, but when I got to my first parish, something amazing happened. It was in Auckland and I got there and there were a whole group of people waiting to be taught the Christian faith. Now, I doubt many pastors ever have that. How do they get there? I, I've never even asked about that. How do they get there? There must have been people who were talking to their friends and so on. And, and uh, so when I got there, they, w- they were just there. And so I had a, the, probably one of the biggest classes I ever had to instruct happened straight away, almost. And when that happens, that influences your whole life, your whole life. Because you realise the church is there to evangelise the people who aren't there. That's what it's there for. Paul knew that, didn't he? And when he got, when he got to Athens, he began in the synagogue, he, as he always did. He went to where, where his own people were. Um, and we can be sure that when he spoke to his own people, he opened his Old Testament. Well, he didn't have an Old Testament, but he would have had a... Had a, a, a a parchment with some Old Testament stuff. He probably knew it all by head anyhow. And, and so he, he would start there and then he would lead them step by step to come to the Messiah who'd given his life for them and had been raised from the dead. And that's exactly what he did when he was in Athens. And then, But he didn't stay in the synagogue and talk about uh, the Messiah in the synagogue like we do. He went outside. He went to the marketplace and talked to the people he met in the marketplace, which often we don't are not so keen to do. Um, he talked with the common people, just the ordinary people of Athens who'd all been led astray by these gods that were all over the place. 
And he went there. It says every day he went there. He might have been there for two weeks waiting. And every day he went to the marketplace and he, he, he got engaged in conversations with the people in the marketplace till they, they, they would have said, oh, here comes this fellow again, this Jewish bloke. And, and uh, you know, if you want to know anything about his God, you go and talk to him. And uh, it just went on day after day. And soon he was noticed by the philosophers of Athens. Uh, Athens was famous for its philosophers. And of course, Plato and Socrates had been dead for hundreds of years. But now the minor uh, um, philosophers were around, the Stoics, who um, were against everything, basically, and the Epicureans, who were in favor, who were in favour of indulging yourself, eat, drink and be merry, was kind of their philosophy. And it sounds a bit like today, don't you think? Most people are in, in, into indulging themselves and some are totally against it. Often they're the ones in the church. Um, and what are we to do about it? We are to grasp every opportunity we can to engage in conversation with all these people, whatever their views are. Whatever their views are. And it says then, because Paul was there, they took Paul and brought him to the Areopagus. It's a bit of a trick, that one, isn't it? Now, the Areopagus is a small rocky hill at the foot of the Acropolis, uh, which uh, you might have seen if you were there, uh, with the Parthenon temple to the goddess Athena towering above it. But the Areopagus was also the name of the 30-member council that ruled Athens, uh, which often probably met on that site. And we're going to have a look at that. So there's the Areopagus. Um, the Areopagus with... Uh, it's not very high, maybe 30 feet, but it's pure rock, basically, and it's as rough as can be up, the, up, up top. You can hardly think how people would want to meet up there, but tourists, we go up there because we want to see the Areopagus, if we've ever heard of it. But if we look, and, and down the bottom there, you can see a plaque, and that tells you, that's the plaque with this story on it, to the unknown God. Now, if we look, if we do the look one, we see there's the Acropolis, the other way, which is uh, towers above it. And even though you can't see it there, the Parthenon is sitting behind all those buildings. These are the buildings on this side of the Acropolis. And there's the Parthenon, which was the temple to the heathen goddess, which ruled over everything around the place. And it's interesting when you go through Europe, and, or not Europe, through Asia and uh, Greece and everywhere, how many of the temples were to female goddesses. So we don't know which Areopagus he's talking about here, whether it's the hill or whether it's the council, but Paul was invited to explain this new doctrine, uh, they called it, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. What an opportunity when people say to you, come on, come along and t tell us about this stuff you believe. How good is that? How good is that? And Paul was ready for it because he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. In other words, I'll talk to anybody about it. 
which of course is what, exactly what he did. He spoke to the, to the Jews and to the Greeks, he said, and he'd spoken to the Jews already and now he has the opportunity to speak to the Greeks and they're not just the, any old Greeks, they're the leading Greeks, the philosophers, the Council of Athens. So these big shots he's invited to speak to. And he begins right where the people are. He doesn't open his Bible and say, now I want to teach you about the Bible. He, opened, he quotes philosophers to them, Greek philosophers. And he says, look, while I was strolling around here as a tourist, I, I, I believe you're very religious. I've seen all these idols everywhere. You, you're very religious. And I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So beginning where the Athenians are at, he leads them step by step to the God who made us all. Not a stone blob, but a God, a living God who made us all and from whom all we, we all come from. A God who is not made of silver and gold. He's living and he gives life to us all. We live and all our being is in him, he said. He's near us all. He's seeking for us. We don't have to grope around in the dark looking for him. He's seeking for us. And then he said, and now he got to the point, he said, God is overlooking these times of ignorance. He's really saying your time of ignorance is up. I'm proclaiming to you the true God and now that you're hearing about this true God, you have to make a decision. He commands people, he says, all people everywhere, all people everywhere to repent because he's appointed a day on which he'll judge the world by the man he has ordained. Big Jesus here. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So this looks like a fairly harmless sermon, but it's not harmless at all because he's saying your time's up. Your time of ignorance is up. I'm telling you Jesus is the only way to be saved and, uh, and so today is the day to repent. Today is the day to be saved. So Paul was waiting for his mates to turn up, but he grasped every opportunity that he was given to proclaim the gospel. He grasped it with both hands and he pointed to Jesus as the only true God and as the resurrection, as the only true hope. And he called people to repent and turn away from their idols and endless searching and come to Jesus and find their life and hope in him. What did the people think? Three things. Some mocked, just as many people do today. And I'll talk about that in a moment. Some put it off for another time, as so many do today. Look, look I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. Look, when I get a bit older, when I've sown a few more wild oats, then I, will, um, then I might consider it. But, some joined Paul and believed, among them Dionysius the Areopagite, <laughs> and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. So 
Some, jo- some people say Paul wasted his time in Athens. I don't think so. I, some joined him and believed. Any day the gospel is preached, in my view, is a good day. And any day where even one person believes, I think, is a, an outstanding day. Any people that two people are named here, what does that tell you? This is, this is for you to answer now. That two people are named here, what does it tell you about these two people, Dionysius and, and Damaris? What does it tell you? You're right, you're right. That they went on and they became leaders in the church. Otherwise, who would remember their names? Who would remember their names? And it said, and some others, so they didn't remember them. But these two they remembered. And one of them is is said to have gone on to become eventually the Bishop of Athens. So whatever we think about whether Paul was successful or not, today Athens is the centre of one of the largest churches in the world, which is the Orthodox Church. So today is a day we've heard the word of God at some length, in fact. Uh, We've heard it read and we've heard it preached and we've seen it acted out in baptism. Um, So it's a day to uh, repent and to be saved. But you might think, well, I just came along for a baptism and um, it's got not not much to do with me, any of this. Or you might say, I I don't know if any of you just came for your mother today and you don't normally come, but you thought, oh, I better honour my mother and go to church with her. No, no, this is not a coincidence. You're here because God has spoken to you today and God calls you to repent and to believe in him and to be saved, just like it happened in Athens in these days when Paul was just waiting around, waiting around. So, Lord, thank you for being with us today and blessing us through your word. Open our hearts to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our saviour, to welcome him with joy in our hearts so that... um, We'll be saved, not only to live uh, for you on this earth, but to live with you forever in heaven. We commit this day into your hand. We commit every person who's here today into your hands. And Lord, continue your work as we go on our way today. And help us not to waste time, but to see all time as a time of opportunity. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.